this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast, coming to you from the sunny and the beautiful downtown Phoenix, Arizona. Today is a great day. I've been ranting, I've been raving, I've been doing all that kind of hop nerd stuff. As you know, we've been getting back to the hop nerd roots and doing kind of these solo podcasts of just thought explorations into things around human and organizational performance, doing safety a little bit better around the sucks of the safety profession, but we are breaking that uninterrupted streak with an amazing interview. But before we talk about that, do me a favor, head over to www.thehopnerd.com, head over to palehorsemedia.co, follow along on all things social media at The Hop Nerd. If you want to follow me on Instagram, just Sam U. Goodman, you'll find me. Just go follow along. I'm trying to post a lot of cool stuff, especially on LinkedIn. I'm trying to post some snippets, some little blurbs from the new book, from Safety Sucks, The Manifesto, which is releasing in May. I am so excited. It's awesome. I'm co-authoring this book with a near and dear friend of mine, Ian Allison. Make sure you go follow along with him. Check him out. Go check out his really cool not safety podcast called Native Film Talk. But, but all that aside, today is super cool. We have on the one, the only, the amazing Teresa Swinton. It's epic. It's such an epic conversation. I loved it. I liked it. I got to have more of it. I can't wait to have Teresa back on. It was just great. We talked about how she found her way into hop, kind of just general hop stuff. We talked a little bit about BBS. We talked about all the cool stuff that they're doing over at Paradigm Human Performance. And I'll shut up and let you just listen because it was great. Here we go. Thank you for coming on. I had a bunch of cross wires and ended up being a horrible, a horrible podcaster <laughs> and missed our original, original chance to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what's, what's horrible about that. What's, what's extremely horrible about that is that that's completely unlike me. <laughs> so I'll, I'll throw that out there. Let me say that. <laughs> but so wires ended up in all the wrong spots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that happened, I'll, but we're here. I'll forgive you. There's not many men I give a second chance. <laughs> First time, but you're you're one of a well, few. <laughs> I, I graciously accept your forgiveness, <laughs> absolutely, and thank you. <laughs> so we're, but we're here, and that that's the thing that matters. We're finally here. So for those we folks are. out there that that, and I can't imagine that they haven't um, heard of you or the stuff going on with Paradigm, or I, I can't imagine that. But for those those folks out there <laughs> in a cave. Um, that have, I, did you say sky that have sky internet yeah. <laughs> that, that, that have not, that have not heard. Who are yeah. you? I'm Teresa Swinton and I'm the founder and, uh, one of the directors at Paradigm Human Performance. We're based here in the UK. We also have, uh, an operational, um, company called Paradigm Human Performance Inc. in the United States. And we have been operational for um, four years it's it's our fourth birthday this month uh, and we provide human yeah thank you we provide human and organizational performance support to organizations all over the world and we've had a fairly um, rapid uh, you know growth in, in the four years we've been going we I think we've achieved that through collaborating with you know brilliant partners and, and and great people out there who are already, you know, well-known in this field. Uh, and yeah, we're 
we're trying to make workplaces safer, healthier, generally better um, experiences for for all workers, you know, where they feel that they're respected for their individual expertise and, uh, you know, their contribution. So, so that's who I am. That's the company and that's really our mission. That's what we're about. Very cool. And, and I want to, I want to dive down the, the paradigm rabbit hole here in a second, because you, you all are doing some amazing stuff in the virtual space in, in particular that I want to get into, but how yeah. did you find your way personally into human and organizational performance or, or just doing safety a little different? How did you find your way to this? Cause it's, it's, this yeah. is always a unique, everyone has a different response. So I'm, I'm interested how, how, how this all made sense to you. So, um, so many years ago I was um, in operational roles uh, and my background is in power distribution. And as we've just been talking about power generation um, for some of the time, but, uh, in my power distribution um, career, I spent 17 years of that in the rail industry. So installing, you know, signaling systems, uh, trackside substations, you know, the, the, that kind of thing. And um, I was running a project a number of years ago, a uh, major project, uh, and there was a road traffic accident in which seven of my guys were killed. Mm. And um, basically... At that time, I was uh, I, I'd come up through the sort of um, admin type route, you know, into the the industry that I was in, um, and got given lots of opportunities to try something new, and and ended up eventually running projects. Uh, but I'd learned my trade really from you know the the, the men that went before me, uh, and it was a bit rough and ready, <laughs> um, as was my management style at the time. Uh, you know, we were based on, you know, we, we, we based our success on productivity and profitability. So we did anything that capitalized on those two things. Um, uh, and, you know, when this accident happened, even though in the UK, under UK health and safety law, it isn't a work-related accident, obviously had a profound impact on me. Um, and obviously it goes without saying that the family's involved. Um, but, but for, from my perspective, what it did was it sent me on this really journey of discovery, which I feel like I'm still on, mm. um, to, to really understand. I, I knew that as the leader of that job that I had played a part in that accident. Couldn't really put my finger on what it was, but I just had this almost a spidey sense, really, that, you know, something that I had done had led to the decisions that yeah. led to this so I, I went on this um, bit of a journey of self-discovery. Uh, I was given the opportunity because it, I kind of didn't want to manage people anymore. Got given the opportunity to um, go and study um, and, and gain my uh, degree in occupational health and safety management because I thought that's where I might find some of the answers that I'm looking for. Uh, did that move then into you know what was really popular at the time was behaviour-based safety uh, and thought it was just amazing because suddenly I felt like I was seeing some of my answers there for a little yeah. while. This is great because this is about making, helping the workers to make better decisions and, you know, all those kind of things. So I rode that train for a couple of years, pardon the pun, um, and then started to get a little bit frustrated. By then I was in power generation in, in fossil fuel mm -hmm. in the UK uh, and started to see this behaviour-based safety program kind of 
um, not dwindle away, but it, it was losing uh, momentum, I think it's fair to say. And the safety performance at the power stations w- was plateauing. Uh, and in fact, we were starting to see some some bigger, more serious events, in fact. So I, I was left with this, um, you know, sort of dichotomy of we've invested all of this money in this, this behaviour-based safety journey. And now the data coming out of all of the near hit reporting and all the rest of it is kind of telling me that my guys don't like wearing PPE and that we're pretty shoddy at housekeeping. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I don't really need to spend all this money, time and effort to know that because I already knew it to start with. Uh, So so then I was, you know, continuing my journey, really looking for the next thing. And through the links with that organisation and their nuclear um, generating arm, uh, I got the opportunity to attend uh, a course with Shane Bush. Um, he was over here delivering his um, practitioner training. I got the opportunity to go on that, and it was a, it was a game changer. Uh, I spent four days with Shane and came away from that course with renewed energy, renewed determination, and a whole new you know, well, literally a manual, you know, the DOE manuals that we all talked about. I had a manual this time. Uh, And I went away and I I kind of, you know, started to work through those manuals uh, and take what was written and think, well, how can I, how can I turn that into a tool? How can I, how can I turn that into something tangible that the guys in the turbine department or the boiler department or the mills team that they will be able to understand and do something with? Yeah. Uh, and that's basically how it started. And I then got the opportunity to go and work in the nuclear part of the business. I, I was the fleet human performance manager for a number of years. Uh, and and I loved what I did because now I had something that I, I totally believed in. I, it was a game changer. And what I loved about HOP and what I continue to love about HOP is that it enables me to not just focus on the health and safety training that I've done, but it also enables me to tap into all of that operational experience as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it just plays to that kind of more um, broader business aspect for me than just, you know, being focused on health and safety. So, so yeah, long, long story, that, but that's, that's no. how I we're doing now. There's, there's, there's a couple things there that, that I want to explore a little bit. Um, and one's, one's just a general statement saying that, you know, as you kind of, as you kind of mentioned, there's these, especially around utilities and, and, and industries like utilities. So for pro tip out there, folks that are wanting to go towards utility space, if you want to like try different jobs, they're more than happy to let you, <laughs> let you move around and dress up, which is, is a blessing and a curse. But like, yeah. if you want to, you want to be for sure. Go try, see what happens Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for, for as, as kind of stuffy and stodgy as kind of the utility space or, or the, the bad rap that they get around that space. That's one thing that I've, yeah. I've personally found uh, in the utility world is that they're actually pretty open to new ideas. It just takes a really long time to kind of see yeah. a movement because they're they're big old utility, which equals slow yeah. usually. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Which, which I find, which I find yeah. super interesting. Um, yeah. But something, something that you said there um, about like, because for me personally, when I discovered um and truly for me, I discovered, I guess, if we want to put labels on things, I discovered safety differently first. I was first yeah. exposed through that, the, the Decker Safety Differently book. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, f- I found it in a, in a spot in my career where I was ready to just be like, I'm done with this. Just, just tired of kind of the old repetitive, you know, doing things harder and expecting a different result. I, yeah. I come from that same, that same kind of space where it's like, I, I was, I was out there, you know, singing the praises of behavioral based safety too. Um, yeah. It was just something yeah. different at the time, right? It was, it was different. But then once, as you said, I, I can guess what your trends are. It's housekeeping, it's PPE, uh, and it's barrier tape. Yes. Barrier, oh my God, the curse of barrier tape, yeah. It's, it's the top three. And then we yeah. spend all of our time investing all this energy and time and stand downs and awareness conversations into those three things, right? We spend a bunch of money on trying to make those three things better. That will fix everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when, when I found it, and I wanted to ask you this because you know, you said that it was like this light bulb kind of moment for you, right? When you, mm. And it was the same for me. It was kind of the stuff that I think most of us were thinking. And then when you yeah. finally hear it or read it from someone else, you're like, that's exactly what, what I've been trying to say. Someone actually yeah. thinks the same way and have ha, they, they've thought that way for a while. And I've finally yeah. discovered it. I, f- I finally found someone that's speaking some sense, right? Yeah. So what I found, what I found interesting is when, when I, when I discovered those, those things. And I brought those back to the workforce and t- tell me if you had a similar experience. Cause again, I just think it's interesting. And I started kind of like having these conversations and at first you're kind of like closing the door because you don't want people to hear these blasphemous safety conversations. That you're <laughs> yeah. having. Listen, listen to this, listen, listen to this stuff. And they go, well, yeah, we've been trying to tell you this for years, the front line, right? The front line is like, we've been saying this, this for years. Thank yes. you for five. <laughs> you suddenly get it yeah absolutely it does because it does it makes eminent sense to them because suddenly you know you you might be it, the same as Shane in in my case gave me the the vocabulary that I was kind of looking for and the tools and the techniques yeah. suddenly going back into my workplace and giving the guys the vocabulary that they needed to to share what they knew as well Uh, and yeah it was it they really felt like they could you know particularly the way that you know I took a lot of the piece that of work a lot of the work sorry that we do I base on uh, an adaptation of um, uh, you know the drift model so every piece of work we do with an organization we start with our you know, sort of paradigm version of the drift model. And I and I think, um, and I better just say that was thanks to Andrew George, who first drew that for me and, and I kind of stole it and said, I'm having, that. he knows that. It's not, it's not stealing in safety. It's right? not stealing. It's, it's borrowing. Because <laughs> he's amazing. But he, know, he knows that I stole that anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably stole it from uh, James Reason. So I think it's, you know, we're yeah. in safe hands. Yeah. You'll see the one slide that has 14 names under it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Google it. Um, but, you know, the way that we present that kind of, it just seals, it just seals it in everyone's mind that, oh, of course, this, you know, this is pretty obvious. Why didn't, you know, why didn't we see this before? You know, yeah, we need our workers to bend and flex and vary the way they achieve the outcomes because if they don't then quite frankly we're in the shit because we probably won't get the work done so so you know and and then it's almost like taking the shackles off the leaders to say it's okay you don't need to have all the answers just go out there and talk to people 
Uh, and I think they're like, well, yeah, but where's my, you know, where's my check sheet? Where's my tick box? Where's my, you know, where's my roadmap? It's like, no, go, just go forth and talk to people. <laughs> go and ask and, them what and- kind of a day. That, that, that's 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 probably one of the, or at least that I've noticed, probably one of the harder things because we've we've pounded into our leaders, and again speaking primarily from the utility space, and it's it's not just us, right? It's across industries. Yeah. We pounded into them this notion of of that. It's it's this co- almost compliance mindset that if it's written down, just follow what's written down, and we've yeah. we've pushed that to them, right? And we've said, well, here's your check sheet. Yeah. Here's your here, here's the one true and correct prescribed way to do things. And now we're, now we're kind of on the opposite end of that and maybe not the opposite, but moving kind of opposite to it of going that there's, there, well, there's a thousand right ways to, to do that same yeah. thing. And as a leader, yeah. we're, we're going to build a, you know, we're trying to construct a system in which you have autonomy to make the best decisions possible in that particular situation that you're in. We're yeah. acknowledging how chaotic and complex the world is rather than trying yeah. to boil it down into the, into the check sheet. And so a lot of them, yeah. a lot of them kind of struggle with that at first, right? They kind of they go, do. Where, okay, where's this written in the procedure? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What questions should I ask? Right. right. Start, start with, hi, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> and see where it goes Let's, from there. Yeah. One, one line procedure, treat people like yeah. people, period. There, there yeah. you go. Start there. <laughs> yeah. Just, and, and in, in fairness, I mean, we're, we're kind of laughing about it, but it's, it's actually, you're right, because we really did screw some leaders up with this formality framework structure you must go in the field four times a week and fill in this check sheet and put it in this box and somebody's going to mark it and you know and I remember having conversations in those early days with leaders the way that I talked to them about the observations as it wasn't you know behavior-based safety observations we were talking about was imagine I'm giving you a disposable camera and you've got 20 photographs to take all I want you to do today is go out around the plant because this was power plants go around the plant and every so often when you see somebody working stop and take a photo metaphorically you know fill in the check sheet just just have the conversation the check sheet's good because it's an aid memoir but the conversation is important. Yeah. So behavior-based safety, it had all the it had the all the good meaning and the good intent. But we simplified it down and we made it a process, you know. So that's that's we screwed it really, you know. Yeah. Um so so I think what we did, we set this expectation around leaders that they would almost use this clipboard or this, you know in our case it was a little card that they had to fill in it was almost like a physical bar we gave them another physical barrier we took the desk away and made them go out there but then we gave them another barrier so now I've got a clipboard between you and me um (laughs) and 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 I now and and as soon as you do that you you put your the that leader in the position you know he's the kind of um what's the word I'm looking for He's the, the the leader of the conversation. Yeah, he's the one who's going to start the conversation and keep that going. Uh, and so, one of the things that we do, you know, with 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 all of our clients is we we say don't go out there with anything because you don't want a physical barrier. Right. And actually, we want you to be the follower in the conversation, not the leader. Let the worker lead the conversation. Yeah. You know, start with how are you. What's the job you're doing and how, how are you going about this job today? Start there and then just listen. Listen to understand. Don't listen to answer. 
you know, and don't be planning your next question before you've heard the answer to the previous one. Really listen, stop, you know, silences are great. If, if you get asked a question and you don't know the answer, say, I don't know the answer to that. What do you think? You know, and, and it's, and it sounds so bleeding obvious, but actually it's really a struggle because we've built all of this formality around them and now we're trying to tear it away and hey guess what we're the same group of people who 15 years ago were saying get out the reef clip chart and you know mm-hmm. t- tick these boxes and it'll be great now us as the same people are going <laughs> get rid of the clip chart yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. do you do you really mean it this time <laughs> yeah they're like you you guys are schizophrenic what the hell do you want us to do <laughs> exactly well you know <laughs> you, you kind of touched on that a little bit with uh, behavior-based safety um I was honored to have on Dr. Tim Ludwig a while back on the podcast mm-hmm. um, and just yeah. phenomenal conversation. And what's, what's interesting though, to, to kind of talk to those folks um, uh, that, that were really in that space yeah. to see behavior-based safety. And, and, and I, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, but to, to see behavior-based safety almost bastardized from their yeah. original thought process around it. And the, the more that I have conversations with kind of those those kind of founding thought leaders around behavior-based safety, it's much more similar with what we're talking about. Than oh, of course. And, but, but companies and, and professionals, as companies and professionals, as people, we crave easy. We, we want yeah. simple and easy fixes to complex problems. Yeah. We, we, we want fast and simple fixes to the things that, that, that plague us. And as organizations, that's hurting people. We, we want to put an end to that, that pain source fast. And well, you... you- Self, you, you've you've had some experience in in the nuclear generation industry, mm-hmm. as have I. And so, again, as I said, my first step in was going on Shane's course, uh, and then going away and implementing some of this stuff. You know, according the world, according to Shane, um, <laughs> you know, my two coal-fired power stations, and then being offered the job to go and work at the you know eight nuclear power plants in the fleet uh, and, you know, thinking, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to really change things. But in there, what was HOP or HPI as they called it, or HU actually, it was HU. HU. Yeah, that's what we got. Yeah. Because HP, health HP, physics. HP, pressure, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, going in there, all HOP or uh, all, all HP was, was 10 tools and leaders in the field. Yeah. So, so again, you know, like like you say, we bastardize behavior-based safety. The nuclear industry bastardized human performance as soon as they got hold of it as well. It just because they, they simplified it. it. Right, yeah. we reduced it down to something that would fit on a card that would go on a lanyard. Yes. Right? You, you have you have one side yeah. air traps, air precursors. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And then the and other then, side, as you said, you have those HU, and we'll, we'll stick with the nuke term. We have, you have the HU tools. And yeah. so it's just that simple. And it, it was uh, the, the way that it was interpreted by a lot of utilities was exactly that, right? Of saying, well, yeah. here's the air precursors, air traps. If you just use these 10 tools, then in, in these situations, nothing bad ever happens again. Yeah, because you won't make errors. Right. And, yeah. and what, 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 what made that even worse, right, was that, that when you do have a problem, we're very quick to use those tools as a roundabout way to blame you for having a problem. Did you do point touch verbalize? It, yeah, did you exactly. do exactly? Did you? I haven't got a bloody clue what a star is, but did you yeah. do one? 
to do well, and even to that point, you know, I've they got to the point to where certain utilities are going, Did you star it? You know, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Were, were you and the problem with that too, kind of not not to pick on kind of nuclear HPI no, too much. I, um, we are. I, I, I love to pick on them, don't get me wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got many friends that are still there, right? Yeah. As I'm sure you do too. I love to call and pick on them. <laughs> um, but you take a tool like Star, right? Stop thinking acting review. Where it's an operational tool. We're, we're thinking about, you know, our actions and what, what basically what those actions are going to result in and kind of envisioning that and then seeing if turning this valve actually resulted in the action that we wanted. And then we apply that to something wonky and we'll say, well, but did you, did you stop thinking action review before you went up the steps? Like, wait a yeah. second, this is, this is a pretty specific tool. So using the right tool in the right place for the right reasons, probably, probably, in, I can't, I won't say probably, absolutely, absolutely increases their effectiveness. Right. But, but we, we lose sight of that fact that well, no matter how good we are, that error is still going to happen. Right. But yeah. in that simple world, in that simple world, error can't exist in our simple model. Right. No. Because no. then the blame piece comes and all these other things come in with behavior based safety. Um, very similar. Right. We um, again, kind of I would encourage folks to go back if they haven't listened to that episode with with Tim Ludwig. Just, just yeah. amazing to, yeah. get to sit and chat with him. Yeah. You know, we took this, we took this model and then we used observations kind of the same as a roundabout yeah. way to still blame employees to say, well, totally. you know, the behavior, there's your problem. That that's yeah. your problem. There was, yeah. there was a behavior that we didn't like. There was, there was an error that we didn't like. And yeah. if you would have just paid more attention or if you uh, would have just okay. cared more, yeah. right. Then, then this wouldn't have happened when really, if, when you talk if, to those if, folks, they're, they're yeah, saying, if, well, but that's not the point uh, to go farther. But if it wasn't you who screwed up and it was the guy working next to you, well, you were still to blame because you should have challenged that unsafe you behavior. You cared more for your co-worker's you safety. Uh, you know, brother, deeper. <laughs> You're just as responsible, a.k.a. couple. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I had <laughs> conversations in those years, honestly, Sam. I remember having so many conversations with people about And I, at the time, I just I threw myself into it, you know, so I'm, I, I laugh at it now, but like, uh, you know, Safety needs to be a value, not just, you know, uh, uh, you know, something that you're told to do at work. So, for example, you know, mm-hmm. how many of you, you know, cut the mow the lawn at home wearing flip flops? I guess you don't call them flip flops. We call them no, flip flops. Yeah, yeah we, I got flip flops. Yeah. Flip flops. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, people it's just like we were having conversations at the time which were important. But it just kept focusing us in on the worker, the worker, yes. the worker, and and uh, and I and now you have to you have to acknowledge the research and and our experience that says, you know, that we just set these people up to fail time and time again, and and that's what I had done, you know, in in my role as a leader, you know, the fact that. Those guys, I paid them what we call on the measure. So they were paid a productivity rate. The more, the more work they completed, the more money they earned. Uh, you know, the, the, it was just every, every way that we could, you know, squeeze every penny out of every pound, we did it. And so vicariously, was I responsible for that accident that I had, I had a part to play in it? Absolutely, I did. And, and that's why when, a lot of the work that I do now is around incident investigation and, you know, trying to take the way that we do this is we try and take a customer on this journey dependent on how long it takes because it's 
you know, different for everyone. But on this journey from saying, yeah, look, we need to do really great investigations into the things that are going wrong today. And then as we mature and we progress along that line, actually, we turn from being an investigation team into this learning team. Uh, and suddenly that that shift becomes the most natural thing in the world because it's the same skill set that you use to investigate the things that have gone wrong that you now use to investigate the things that are going right and understanding why, you know, to, so that you can learn from them. So, you know, and the, the conversations that I have when I've investigated something that has gone wrong in an organisation you know, I, I want to sit with the CEO and the COO and I can I can pull the thread and lead it straight back to their desk every time. Yeah. And and that's every- that's that that's the hard part for organizations, right? Because yeah. we 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 kind of collectively kind of back to the, the the question of simplification, right? We we collectively view it's an easier answer. It's an easier yeah. answer to view the employee that messed up as as a lone bad actor. As what what uh, what most organizations have referred to them so lovingly as shitheads, <laughs> as, as as the person that just you know they, they if they paid more attention if they just cared more and kind of back to your point kind of you know when you have these conversations with those kind of higher level leaders in organizations and you reduce that down to what you're really saying about that employee is you know yeah. when you say somebody should have paid more attention when you say that that person not, that that got killed at work should have just cared more about not dying at work and that the person standing next to them should have cared more about their friend not dying at work you're really yeah. saying that bad stuff happens to bad people. And if they were yeah. better people, then this would have never happened. And that yeah. just, when you, when you put it in that way, it seems to those leaders, obviously that's a pretty controversial statement for them to, yeah. but, but when they, when they really, they get mad and they leave and then they come back and they go, okay, that may, I understand now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it hits them yeah. a little bit when they understand yeah. that we're, we're really saying that our employees are bad and that because they were bad, bad stuff happens to them. We assign yeah. intent and do kind of all those other bias things that we like to do, yeah. you know, you know, post event. Um, but even kind of going back to the behavior based safety thing of it, you know, we stop at that behavior and that fits with the worldview of, of how we want things to be, not, not the actuality of how the world actually is. Right. We stop at behavior and go, well, there's your problem. Right. With the observations or, or post incident, post anything, we say, well, the behavior is clearly the problem. Right? Yeah. If we can finally just fix that behavior. And it leads yeah. us down this road of doing safety to people. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we we try to we try to do safety to people, um, but it's it's just it's taking it for me. It's always been you know either whether we're talking about behavior based safety, we're talking about hop, you know, kind of to your point about talking about investigations. It's this idea of um, local rationale, right? It's it's this idea. Um, most investigations that I'm involved with. And I'm, sh- I'm sure you probably start from a similar starting point. I always open with this really dumb statement. Of saying, Who did it? Right, right, <laughs> this, this really dumb, broad statement. Is that just, not what you do? Is, 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 <laughs> it's the assumption, right? It's starting with better assumptions, yeah. right? It's these conversations yeah. that we have around assumptions a lot. Rather than seeing error as the cause of bad things that happen and seeing people as the cause of those errors, right? Starting with this better assumption of saying that, okay, Everything made perfect and total sense to this person until suddenly it didn't anymore. And unfortunately, when it didn't, they cut off a finger, they got gouged in the eye, something bad happened, right? But step A, step B, step C was all perfectly sensical until all of a sudden, ow, right? And just shifting that mindset. Yeah, and it's been different for the last 20 years, every single day when we've done it in, in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, the shit at the fountain today and our luck ran out. 
Right. Um, you know, but we had we had five days a week, you know, 365 day, days a year to go out there before this accident and see exactly the same activity taking place. Yeah. But we failed to do that. And now today, because we've got the unwanted outcome, now we give a damn. That's right. not fair. And, and that's 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 where a lot of I mean, we trace a lot of that back too, right, is is how we define safety, how we define success. And as you, as you just mentioned. We could, we could have done this job in these horrific conditions this way a thousand times. And because, yeah. because we've had positive outcomes, we're viewing that as success. Oh, the, absolutely. Moment, the moment, the, 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 the 1% time that we actually have negative outcome, now we're blaming people usually. Yeah. But, but when, they're, when they're making do, when they're adapting, when they're yeah. getting shit done in the field, when, they're, when yeah. they're making it work for us and they're doing it efficiently and safely, in a, it, usually in a, an extremely flawed setting, right? We're, yeah. we're clapping and we're going, you all are awesome. You guys make do with what you've got. And we draw that assumption back to assumptions that, well, everything's going right because they're following the rules. Everything's yeah. going right because air is not present. Everything's going right because all of that stuff that we can easily find post-event must not exist. It surely can't exist because they're having great outcomes. But then obviously when that yeah. outcome occurs, then we, we pull out the, the, the magnifying glass. <laughs> there's, there's error. There, look, they didn't follow the rules. Uh, they yeah. used the wrong tool for the job. And then yeah. the, blame, right? the blame starts to pour in. Well, and the thing is that at that point in time with the spotlight on that worker, you know, where it's like, did you follow the procedure? No. You know, we, the the likelihood of that worker at that point in time looking up and saying no 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 but actually can I just say that none of us ever none of us in this team ever follow that he's not he's not going to take his team down with him <laughs> no, absolutely not you know and so it's like and you know we work with so many organisations who are like you know just just slap on the handcuffs give me the disciplinary whatever man you know let me just get back to my job because. We've been telling you it's it's shit for years and you've not done anything about it, you know. And 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 the thing is, you know, this is why organizations need to, you know, and this because I, I get asked a lot, well, what's that what is all this about about learning from successful outcomes? You know, how do you do that? What is that? You know, how do you know? And I'm like, you know, is your share price going up? Is your productivity rate <laughs> rates mm-hmm. going up? And as a leadership team, you don't think you've done much. Guess what? <laughs> You know, and and this this last twelve months, uh, we've had a, a lot of people, a lot of companies are out there, you know, kind of saying, "Hey, look, we've done so much more with so few staff, and our product, you know, this is our best year ever." You know, and it's like, yeah, go and ask some questions. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Before you celebrate and pat yourself on the back. Go and understand how you got the outcomes you've achieved in this last year. Because exactly. if you're operating on a, you know, not forty percent of your normal workforce, and power stations have, a, you know, for, from our background, you know, they sent all the non-essential workers home, and and you mm-hmm. know, curtailed outages or whatever else it is. Yeah. Well, how the hell did you manage to achieve, you know, a, such a great year of, yeah. you know, availability? What was going on there? Because you can bet your ass. That's where your workers have been, you know, flexing Dive, and bandage. duct tape, band aids, <laughs> and, and we're peering yeah. down, right? We're peering down, going, everything's great, outcomes oh, good, productivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're looking down, and we're going, well, this looks fine to me. Outcomes good, everything must be fine. And to your yeah. to your point, it's 
the power of, of listening, of tuning your leaders in your organization to listen to those that actually get stuff done. Yeah. And yeah. The, har- the harder part, I think, for organizations to go down that path of listening is, is first you have to create environments in which honesty is possible. Yeah. And I, I don't even throw around trust because I think organizations just overuse the word too much. And that's what I tell them. I'm, I'm like, I don't, you shouldn't even, I don't care around the, the big T word around trust. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever trust the company that I work for, right? I, I don't, I'm not, might not be wise, right? I, I don't, I, I don't trust my bank. I don't necessarily yeah. trust my government from day to day. I don't, I yeah. definitely don't know if I'm going to trust my employer, but yeah. if I can create an environment in which you can be honest without fear of me smacking you around, putting you in the corner, harming you in some form or fashion. If I can create that environment, even though you might not trust me, that you can be honest with me. But how how can you, sorry, I'm interviewing Nick. You know. no, no, you're fine, you're fine. How can you create that without trust? Because we, we've had this conversation in, in our team uh, and um, this was Gareth actually who came, came uh, up with this, uh, you know, we were debating about what comes first. You know, if you want, if he had written something in one of our papers, which said something about a psychologically safe environment results in trust and transparency and blah, blah, blah. And, and I kind of said, hang on a minute, is that the right way around? Or does trust and transparency result in a psychologically safe right. environment? <laughs> we, we probably you know, have I, a bit I, of a chicken and egg question, right? Oh, chicken and egg. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, and and so with without without kind of and I have I haven't read obviously what what Gareth has written but no 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 and to, 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 to kind of, to kind of hear that order though I, I would probably um I would probably lean into some of his direction there um, mm. of saying that you know to me trust is more than likely and again I'm I'm not the expert on organizational psych- psychology and psychological you know <laughs> psychological safety. But just as a layperson examining that and kind of kind of my my work around that space with just individuals and organizations is that trust would seem to be the byproduct of that honesty. Because if 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 I start to develop an environment in which you can you can say something, right? I, I, I'm just putting myself in that position, right? Yeah. Saying, okay, it seems like I can say this. Let me try a little bit and see what happens. Right. And I, I can well, you know, last week we uh, we didn't follow the rule. To kind of shield myself to see if I'm going to get beat, right? And then back back to reactions and how reactions matter, right? Based off of the reaction that the organization gives back to me for that honesty, then it's either going to be good or bad. It's going it's going to either cripple trust or it's going to grow it, right? Yeah. And from from there, I'm going to kind of continually try that. Okay, and the week before we didn't follow it either, <laughs> kind of see if I'm going to get beat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And that, that was, that was, that's just, again, that's, that's my, that's my lay two cents. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure Gareth painted that a much more eloquent picture. Yeah. Than I that's what, <laughs> more clever at this than I am. Yeah. But, you know, but so the argument or not the argument, sorry, the counter to it is trust is something that I own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can choose to give you my trust. And this, I think this is where the conversation came out of, actually. It was like, there are two types of people in the world. There are people who trust first, and then, you know, I give you my trust and it's yours to lose. Mm -hmm. Or there are people who who choose to not trust, you know, to mistrust, and actually my trust is yours to earn. Mm. Yeah? So there's two different things. So 
Gareth's point, if I remember rightly, he'll probably come on and go, no, it was the other way around. But anyway, whoever's <laughs> point was that as a leader, you have to give that trust. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to be courageous because that's what we talk about, courageous leadership at Paradigm. You have to be courageous and you have to give that trust unfettered. Uh, and it is then someone else's to lose. Yeah. And, and if you start there, then actually, then you start to create the environment in which people can do exactly what you just said. Oh, we didn't yeah. follow the rules last week. But water, so yeah. if I, straight away, I've set our relationship up in a way where I'm like, I don't trust you and you need to earn my trust. Mm. The last thing you're going to want to come and say to me is, yeah, we didn't follow the rules right. last week. I, I, I totally see your perspective. Yeah. And so first of all, let, let me start by saying, I love you. This is an amazing <laughs> conversation. Let me, let me say that. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Uh, but it's, 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 it's the, 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 the path that you just took with that is, it's so true. This idea. Um, and so to back up from the organization's perspective a little bit, we, we look down through our organization as executives and leaders and, and kind of just the organization in general from up on the 20th floor of our, our building. And we say, trust us, trust yeah. us, please trust us. And then we go, why don't they trust us? But we're <laughs> never willing to extend down what you just said. Yeah, we're exactly. never willing to trust down. And we, we, we trust we, Right. Organizations, they, they, they lose sight of that, that in order to get that trust that we so desire that we ask for, and we say, pretty please trust yeah. us. The first step to that is trusting down. Right. The first step oh, of that is, is granting that trust. It's, it's this idea. Um, I had a, a powerful conversation with Sydney Decker months and months and months back on the podcast. And this idea of if you really want to, 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 to shift things dramatically almost instantly, it's exactly what you just said. It's starting yeah. from a place of trust with everything rather than distrust. Yeah. Because we regularly, if not always, always start from a place of distrust of our employees. We don't trust people to do the right things. We don't no. trust people to make the right decisions. We start from a place of distrust in our employees with our rules or procedures or check sheets. You know, we, we, we start from a horrible spot to begin with and then wonder yeah. why people, why they don't trust us, why they're not willing to tell us stuff. Yeah. So just that shift of, and it's exactly what you just said. Again, a, a much, you, you said it in a much better way than I'm coming across, but, but this idea of being able to trust down or this idea yeah. of just changing your starting position. Of yeah, rather, than, rather than seeing the majority of people as shitheads, understanding yeah. that the majority of people are not. Absolutely. The, the, the small handful, the small handful of shitheads do exist. And we, we can acknowledge yeah. that they exist, but yeah. they're so minuscule that they almost don't. Right. That well, most people so, come to work with the best of intentions. They want to do the best possible job that they can. And they're there doing that job for us. Yeah. And starting with but that position you, of trusting down and giving them autonomy and decision making authority and power to influence and all of those things are so vital if we want to create that. It is, it is literally, I mean, hence the name of my company. It is a paradigm shift. It yeah. is about saying to, you know, and 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 again, how so how all right. That sounds great. How do you start that in an organization that's been running for 160 years and procedures is the way we've always done things traditionally? Well, look at drift and create a safe space through trust by saying to your workers, look, all of this stuff there above, you know, as, as Bob Edwards, I think we'll call it the blue line, you know, yeah. all that stuff above the blue line is kind of, it, it it's, 
it's it's meant to be good. It was written with the right intent. It was meant to set you up for success. But we recognise that it's got flaws. That you know, it's not perfect system. We can't write a perfect procedure. We are constantly relying on the human to complete our design or make perfection out of our flawed design. So we we are already trusting you. We are already trusting you to achieve successful outcomes every day, despite all of this crap that we're setting you up with. Therefore, you already have our trust. What we're asking you to do now is share the problems, share the challenges, share the obstacles, and explain to us how you make sense of this complexity that we've built into the system. Uh, and, And we will trust you to make the decisions that you need to make in order to complete the successful outcomes. But then you can start the dialogue of, okay, so, you know, in order to drain down this, you know, HFO pipe in a power station, you know, we, we have to kind of, you know, take undo bolt or undo flanges that we haven't undone for years and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we know we might have to, you know, do some valve jiggery pokery and stuff like that. But you are the custodians of this system, this flawed, you know, system that we designed when we built our power station 60 years ago. You understand how it works. We're going to trust you to make the right decisions. And and within that decision framework, you know, there's going to be some layers of protection for you if you make the wrong decision. Or that you make a decision based on sound principles that later turns out to be not such a great decision. The management team, because we trust you, we're going to have your back. And and it's it's not that hard to do. And you only have to look at, you know, so where do you start? You might start with investigating the things that have gone wrong in a different way. You know, a great starting starting point. Mm -hmm. Another... Sorry, did you just lose me there? No, you're good. You're totally good. Uh, it, was, it was just a quick uh, picture and then back to video. So you're fine. <laughs> uh, another That's start. how people know this is unedited and real. They just, they just Yeah, don't. I know. Yeah. <laughs> just phoning me. I'm probably ready to go and have my vaccine. Oh, no. This. <laughs> but um, so, you know, just start either with your incidents, investigating things, you know, always go into that incident investigation with a mindset of, you know, how the hell did we set this person up to fail in this way? If you ask that question and you go in and you kind of hold the mirror up to yourself as the, you know, the organization, yeah. then, then people want to talk more openly. Um, and there's probably some interesting stuff around that that we should come back to actually. So remind me. Sure. But the other thing is then to say, well, what's our biggest risks? Where do our biggest risks come from? What, what are the biggest hazards out there that could interrupt the mission of our organization? Fundamentally are going to cause a massive upset for us and start to explore those areas first and start those conversations, you that's know? So huge. And that's a conversation that we have around these parts quite a bit is back to this idea of focusing on the shit that really matters. Yeah, because yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Flips, trips, and falls, yeah, they're important. Fingers, dust in the eye, uh, you know, tripping over paving slabs or potholes in the yeah. road. It's 
important. Yeah. But you know what? The fact that we're cleaning out a mill and we might be creating a disease, you know, an explosive atmosphere, exactly. or you know, we're we're not using ATEX rated equipment in you know in this those things working at height and confined space working. Yeah. That's the big shit that's going to really bite us on the ass, and we exactly. need to know how that really gets done in safety in particular. And this is a thought that I've been exploring a lot lately. Um, as I've been writing, I'm, I'm working on the, on the next safety sucks thing as I've been uh, writing this, this is, this is, this is a, a thought that, that I've been really exploring a lot lately is this idea in safety is that we completely lack prioritization yeah. because everything in safety matters and it matters a lot. Yeah. So on our, on our, on our, on our bulleted to-do list, we have one bullet that said everything in safety matters and it matters a lot, but that's just not true. Right, there's some it's things not- matter far less than other things in safety, but what it leads us to do as organizations and as practitioners is it leads us to aggressively focus on the wrong things, right? And and a, a lot think- of the stuff that we just talked about leads us down that path too of going well, human error, there's the problem. Let's aggressively focus on making people not have errors anymore, or we we lean yeah. into to observation data and go well, there's a problem. We we instead of instead of a thousand behavior based observations this year, we only had five hundred. We need to do more, and that'll fix our problem. And we just spend yeah. time creating more and more complication in our already chaotic and complex worlds. We do, and and I think you know to to your point there, those things. It's such a difficult conversation to have because it, from a from a health and safety practitioner's um, perspective, and, and I'm generalizing. I, I know. Um, and it'd be really interesting if your listeners go. Generalization is what, so what we're good at around here. It's, it's completely <laughs> wrong. Uh, um, the thing is, when when something goes wrong, that's attributable to a failed safety control or whatever it is, then the organisation looks to the safety manager and says, "How the hell did that happen? And what the hell are you doing about that?" Traditionally, yeah. But when you apply that logic to, you know, so somebody came into work, nothing to do with health and safety, by the way, but they stole something. Say they they stole something out of a cupboard, a, a laptop. I'm just making this shit up as I go along. Yep. They stole a laptop. They're a bad, you know, they're a, they're a thief. Yeah. At no point uh, in my experience does anyone bring the HR manager in and say, how the hell did that happen? And what are you going to do to stop that? How happening? did they get through our controls? Yeah, how, you know, how did we? How did you manage to employ such a a stupid person? You know, because the, the HR manager obviously is going to go. I'm not responsible for the people that right. you employ. I just provide a framework for you to operate within, and yeah. and I'm not responsible for the fact that this person just stole a laptop out of a store right. cupboard. Why is that my did, problem? Did, did, did your we trending? In, did your trending in human resources not indicate that this was this probability? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but that's and there you go. You're laughing because that's the that's the bullshit of it. That's the and life yet, we've lived in, right? As practitioners, we, uh, anyone that's a safety practitioner and, and has been for more than a minute, right, is has <laughs> got to be dying laughing right now too, right? Because yeah. <laughs> we've all we've right. all been called on the carpet to say, well, yeah, how did you finance manager? Our share prices dropped. <laughs> Bring finance manager. What the hell are you doing about this? Why didn't you see this coming? You know, and well, how are you? going to correct the fact that somebody overspent on their budget this year uh i didn't have the credit card in my hand i I expect your 47 corrective actions by the end of the week right but but we we get so we're so enamored with this idea um of of predict and prevent 
right? And I'm not, I'm not rallying against prevention. Prevention is a great thing. The no, problem yeah, is, okay. is that we were biased towards pursuing prevention. It seems almost solely, right? That we, yeah. we never get beyond the fact that failure is going to happen. Right? Yeah. We get so focused on this idea. And, and as you said, a lot of times we pin that back onto the safety person or the safety department yeah. in some way or another of failing to predict because we have to predict yeah. that that's, you can read job descriptions where that's just first line, predict bad things that are going to happen and then prevent oh, some bad things from happening. But we get so, we get so wrapped up in this idea that everything is preventable because again, back to that kind of aligning with this simplistic worldview that we, we wish the world were like this of saying yeah. that if we can just finally predict to, not to pick on some of the more kind of Heinrich based approach, but if we, if we can just predict all this little stuff, then we don't have the big stuff kind of model that organizations still kind of rally behind. Um, yeah. That leads us down this path of, of an overfocus on prevention when we're already really, really, really good at prevention. Most folks, most organizations yeah. don't regularly cut off arms. They don't regularly blind people. They don't regularly, no, kill, which should indicate that we're already really good at prevention. Maybe yeah. the problem is on the other side of the equation. Yeah. We, you know, it's, it's back to the right starting points and the right assumptions as we've been yeah. chatting about kind of the golden thread through most of this. I've seen the prevention is great, but it's going to break down. Yeah. It's always going to fail at some point. It is some, and, and the time when it fails, and the time when all of this, and it's a, and it it's a really difficult um, question to answer, and and I don't think it, it's probably not a problem you and I can solve on this podcast today, but maybe we could have another one and sort sort it out then. But you know, when somebody has been injured because they tripped over a loose curb stone in the parking lot, and they suffered a concussion or worse, then suddenly that comes back into sharp focus. Uh, And so so almost your attention in your organization is always drawn to the last bad thing that happened to a person. And so, so that, if we take our eye off the ball on the dust in the eye and the, you know, there's a concern or there's a worry or a fear that, you know, yeah, we want to go over here and focus on these really big hitters, you know, the, these high hazards that, you know, process safety, as we've talked about, things like that. But if we take our eye off the ball and somebody slips over a curb and cracks their skull, then I'm going to be, then I'm going to have made the wrong decision. And and that such a dichotomy to, to try and deal with. It's so hard because you're, you're, you're quite literally having to disconnect in their head yeah. those two events. Definitely, right? because because we're we're still leaning back into that idea that those are somehow connected, right? That yeah. if we get enough folks that are that are tripping over that loose stone, that, that that are tripping over, you know, the parking block, that, yeah. that that are tripping over the crack in the pavement, that if we get enough of those, that's going to cause us to kill somebody. Yeah, and and because but we and again, it's it's it's, I say that we kind of generally we're to blame for that, because for yeah. many 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 yeah. years. Leaders were taught that you prevent big things by just focusing on the right. little things. Yeah, absolutely. So we created an entire generation of leaders that think their sole job is to focus on the little things. And they, they completely avoid what we were just talking about, you know, the, the, the stuff that actually kills people. But it, I, yeah. think, I think some of that is, is getting folks to acknowledge stuff for what it truly is. Like, you know, using, yeah. using, using, that, using that, that specific example, that, that person trips over that stone, they fall down. They crack their head. We get them the care that they need, right? We take care of them. We, 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 we get them back to work. You know, we, 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 we take care of them the best that we can. Yeah. In that particular situation, understanding that it's disconnected from that, those kind of more grand events, yeah. 
yeah. the worst possible thing that could have happened just happened. Yeah. Like that was, that was, I mean, yeah. bar, oh, no, you know, right. Yeah. Uh, other, other than maybe some insanely freak accident that, yes. that, that trip actually killed somebody, right. Yeah. One in a bazillion chance, right. Absolutely. The worst possible thing that could have happened happened. So with that being said, Let's take care of the employee. Let's fix a loose stone. Let's move on with their life and then focus on the stuff that's more important, right? Yeah, that Sam, that if, if that was the worst thing that could have happened, just happened. However, if the worst thing that can happen, if I'm, if I'm a leader at the organization that you work in and you trip over and crack your skull, and but you know you have a concussion that's the worst thing that can happen to you and that's pretty bad yeah, yeah. but me as a leader if my performance in my role is measured on having accidents yep. then your concussion is actually my missed promotion next time around or my exactly. missed 50k bonus or whatever it is you know then it's then and that's the the issue it's trying to divorce this thing where people's performance in the organization is tied to whether or not you know safety performance is is going to and I, I want to be careful how I say that but yeah yeah you, no there, there's no there's no absolutes there but if if every time somebody trips over or you know as as a minor first aid accident or a lost work injury um that's that somebody senior up the ladder gets some form of punishment because it goes it goes right up through doesn't it Absolutely. you know we, we're really trying to tell our leaders don't punish workers for for errors yeah and yeah. and for so what but but what we're yeah. also doing don't don't punish the worker for making an error yeah oh. punish the you punish you're, the you're, I'm you're, one of his you're, you're going down a path that is is near and dear to my heart because I, we we again having similar conversations. It's neat to see that kind of folks, you know, uh, as as far apart as we are, that we're having similar thoughts and conversations around yeah, this stuff. Yeah. Because one one of the one of the well, fatal the- flaws that that I've seen around that is that when we go and we start having those con- initially in in yeah. a less hop mature organization, when we first start having that conversation and we convince people that, okay, blame, blame doesn't really fix anything. Let's, let's stop blaming employees. Let's mm. move more towards learning. Then mm. often the, the thirst and desire for blame is still in the organization. We just move it up a couple levels. Exactly what you just oh. said. We say, well, if, if yeah. the next best thing, and it feels almost as good is to blame the leader. Yeah. Right? Cause somebody's got to be accountable somewhere. Right. And, and back to understanding that those leaders, it's, it's easy. It's easy. And we all catch ourselves doing this. It's back to general human nature. It's easy to look at the leader and go, well, bad leader, you know, they're, they're reinforcing the wrong things because I, you know, in, in my world is recordability, right? This is a recordable. Now they're making it a big deal because it's recordable and blah, 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 blah. But then when you take a step back and actually start to understand the context, the situation that they're in and the decisions that they're making based off the pressures, right? The pressures that the organization induces in that situation is saying that you're going to miss out on a lot of money. If you have one too many of those, you're going to miss out on becoming a senior director if you have one too many of those. So obviously, obviously, as with any human in any situation, and no no matter what the pain point is, they're going to move towards comfort and away from pain. Uh, move away from pain uh, every time. Now, somebody who's done some really um, great work on that, and I don't know if you've um, had her on the podcast, so forgive me, but is a, a lady called Diane Chadwick-Jones. Uh, have you I'm met not. Diane? I have so not. Diane, it sounds like I'm going to have to. 
Yeah, you really do need to. Uh, she um, recently retired from BP, but she was their um, human performance, um, head of human performance for BP Global. And what she managed to do, and, you know, she achieved she achieved lots in her time at BP, don't get me wrong. But for me, the one of the most significant things was divorcing safety-related targets from, you know, execs uh, package, you know, their, their sort of... Um, their, reward package uh, and and that I think is is a game changer in any organization so yeah if you haven't yet spoken to Diane then 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 Absolutely. I suggest but because for me you know this this whole piece around yeah we need to set our workers up for success and as leaders we need to do that but as the body corporate we also need to set our leaders up for success Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the, the ownership of that sits with the board or the yeah. you know the owners of the business or the exec, whatever it may be. Now, again, this is another sort of um you know pet peeve of mine, if you like, is something we talk a lot about with our clients, is typically our organizations these days, they're set up for short-term management. You know, so so we 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 tie our leadership teams up in performance metrics uh, mm. and we we make them dance to that tune but also we're in this constantly changing and you know growing uh, sort of environment in our organizations where those people typically are only in a job two or three years so yeah. that drives this behavior of we'll keep it straight on my watch and and there's no benefit to the individual to to think about long-term change long-term goals long-term strategy beyond his or her tenure because hey i'm only being measured on on what i achieve you know do good survive the three years and move on to my promotion absolutely (laughs) absolutely and everything and i'm sure you're the same you know when we when we work in organizations we see the effects of that right down at you know with the guy and the girl who've got the shovel in their hand. Yeah, you can yeah. see the effects of it, that. It short directly time. influences the way that they react to things. Oh, right. So again, you know, even even you know, and I know Todd says it, and Shane says it, and you know, we all talk about it. I, I, you know, if if I if I'm going to get buy-in for your HOP program or your behavior-based safety or whatever it is you're doing, your improvement program, I'm going to need to sit and talk to the CEO. Uh, for me, yeah, that's that would be a good starting point. But you know what? Let's go back to the shareholders. Let's go back to the board. Let's go back mm-hmm. to the people who actually set this whole organization up yeah. and say, do you know what? You are accountable for the long-term performance of this business. Therefore, you need to have strategies in place that out-survive the short-term tenure of the CEO and the COO. You need to be thinking longer term. And I guess, you know, I, I always sort of refer to, you think about Simon Sinek with the infinite game. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that's such a powerful um, that a powerful message in that. But it, it, and it's almost like, you know, when I read any of Todd's books, I'm like, damn, I that's, that's the book I wanted to write. Right. <laughs> 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 you know, it, but, but for me, it, that's where it all starts. It all starts in the way that you, the organization is set up and then the way that we employ these people on these short term sort of, you know, bring it, come in, you know, do the head crop, turn the business around, bring in a change program. 
Uh, but then we're going to measure the next person through the door on exactly the same things. We're not going to say to them, right, what we want you to do now is continue that journey, continue on the same trajectory. We don't. We go, what are you going to do with this then? It's, yeah. it's your train set. Go oh, play. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so it's, it's, it's exactly because that, that, and a lot of where we're kind of talking about is around the middle portion of our organization, which mm-hmm. obviously either propels change or cripples it. Right. The, the middle is the hardest piece to impact. You know, that's the hardest part to get moving forward. And especially, as you said, if you don't have that right message and tone set from as far yeah. up and back as you can go, as far towards the blunt end of the organization as you can go. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you you, you kind of have that, as you said, you have this, these performance measures, these performance metrics. And this middle is kind of in this churning state in most organizations. Um, and hearing you say that really, really hits home with me because every organization that I've been around has the exact same thing. This kind of three yeah. to five year cycle of middle management leaders that's constantly either churning up or out of the organization, right? It's kind of, we're kind of working to go up and then I'll make a difference, right? Once I get up there, I'll make a difference or I'll flee and climb the ladder, kind of the other ladder and make a difference in a different organization. Um, But we measure them. And, and, and as you said, we just kind of give this kind of across the board thing of, and a lot of times the safety metrics are included in that. And yeah, we, we can't continue to, to preach that safety isn't, isn't really, we don't want to define safety as an outcome and still measure it as an outcome yeah. <laughs> and, and, and still beat yeah. people over that yeah. outcome. Oh. Right. But even farther than that, um, one thing that I've noticed is that we never really set those leaders up for success to begin with. No. No. Right? We, we, we promote leaders because they're really good at whatever they did before. Yeah. Right. Great technique. Um, yeah. You, you are, the, you were the most productive you were, you know, this and that and the other, you were the, so what, the how we all say it, right? You were, you were the go-getter. You were the self-starter. You were the go-getter. That means mm-hmm. that you're instantly going to be a great leader. Not yeah. true. <laughs> and we forget, you know, we forget that, well, maybe we need to chat with them and figure out the areas that they need a little bit of help in, that they need a little bit of more understanding in. Maybe we should pair them with a mentor that, that, that is, is well-versed in those areas. You know, one thing, and I, I, I hate, I hate, I hate this word. I hate soft skills. Because they're, they're 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 really not that soft, right? They they should be essential. Don't know what you right. So this this idea of soft skills, but we never have those conversations with our leaders, right? We no. we we rarely, if ever, give them some meaningful education or or something mentorship in how yeah. to approach people. A lot of the stuff that we were just talking about, because not all just just because you were good at at producing doesn't mean you're going to be great at having that conversation. I know when when I first started in this world, I was horrible. Right. Believe yeah. it or not, this long winded bag of hot air that I am now. Right. That I was I was horrible at going out and being like, hey, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> you know, crippled with shyness, yeah. right? As 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 a lot yeah. of folks are when they first find themselves. Yeah. Right. So to to help support leaders through that, to help enable those conversations, to help give them the tools that they need mm-hmm. to be a successful leader, we just have most organizations, again, generalizing, right? Put out the put out the, the announcements, just generalization. Most organizations just kind of skim over that real quick and go, okay, let's your your leader. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're you're absolutely right. And I, I think there's a couple of points to to pick up on there. So in our organizations, again, typically we 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 think that all recognition is is almost done through promotion to leadership we don't respect expertise Mm. um you know so so the fact that you know if you've got a really great craftsman you know and i keep referring back to power stations because that's kind of what we've got in common but if you've got a really great craftsman who works in you know the turbine team um in a power station 
and then the only route to prom- uh, the only route to pay increase or some form of recognition is to move him up through the leadership route you know then then we're setting ourselves up to fail uh, and what you know we did some work on this in our power stations around we have the technical route and you know and the leadership route um and and then there was i think there was a third which was like a professional route as well if you wanted to be like you know a uh, human factors design engineer for example you know you could go up this uh very professional route but again not enough organizations do that you get to a point where okay i've been here 10 years i'm i'm a great crafts person i understand this job inside out i don't really want to be a leader yeah. but i deserve more pay i deserve a higher pay packet i deserve a i don't know whatever it is a better package or but actually, no, they're squeezed into the sausage machine. And well, if you want that, you've got to be a manager. Mm-hmm. And and we work with a company at the moment who who is, has exactly that kind of process in place. And there's two things that happen. They they squeeze them into this leadership shape tube and say, there you go, get your there and do the job. And then they fail dismally and then they don't go, oh, actually, you know what? We set you up to fail. Go back there and be the great craftsman that you were before. Yeah. They go, you're fired. You're no good yeah. You're no good um, or they they go up there. They're not particularly great leaders. Yeah. And and or but but they may just they wing it, they get through, they get by. But what happens is when you really need them to be leaders, and that's typically when the pressure's on, something's going wrong, we're losing market share, productivity's down, whatever, whatever, whatever. At that point, that person defaults to their safe space when the pressure's on. Yeah. So I've worked in so many power stations where you know I've I've seen, you know, ahead of maintenance, ahead of something, you know, when the shit's hit the fan, he puts on his overalls, picks up a spanner and goes, I'll go down there and fix it. <laughs> and you're like, no, no. <laughs> that's, like, that's like, you know, that's like walking away from the steering wheel, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, when the car is about to crash. You need to keep steering. You, you have gone there. beyond micromanaging to micro doing. Like you're gonna- <laughs> but it happens and it's not or her fault that's what they know how do you deal in a crisis you pick up the spanners you pick up the tools and you go and sort the problem whereas what all that person might need to set them up for success is that leadership development mentoring coaching to say no no you keep your hands on the wheel and let the team behind you work on the engine you know this this idea of skills this this idea there's this this image that you painted of kind of this this kind of like sausage making process of leaders is so true right as organizations we desire consistency above just about anything else mm-hmm. right and unfortunately what we what we really create is consistent safe mediocrity right we yeah. we create we create an environment in which you, we 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 reward mediocrity as long as it's consistent as long yeah. as it's consistent, instead of embracing leaders and their unique abilities and skill sets, instead of saying, you know, you're really yeah. good at this and this and this, how do we make you even better at that, that, and that, and and, and yes. embrace your uniqueness as, as a person, as a leader, you know, you might not yeah. be great at talking to people, but you're really good at this other stuff. How do, yeah. how do we, how do we embrace your uniqueness? We go, no, nah, that's okay. Just the stuff that's really good, cut that off and put it down here and just yeah. make it all even. So everybody's exactly the same, right? Lockstep uniformity. 
is what we desire when really, and it's, it's, it's scary for organizations to go down that path of embracing uniqueness and embracing those things because we, we do want that. We, we want this just consistent, mediocre yeah. kind of level thing when really yeah. there's so much power in embracing the uniqueness that each person could bring yeah. to that particular role, whether it's a leadership role or not, right? In any yeah. role for that matter, right? It's just, just embracing folks' uniqueness and their unique skill sets and abilities that they bring from all over. They have hidden talents that we just neglect. And I think there's this other thing, and I, I don't know, I mean, it might be controversial to say it, but I, I remember many years ago when I first um, started to work in power distribution, I was working in, uh, you know, it, we were installing high voltage cables, oil filled or XLP as they lay, but at the time it was oil filled. Yes, I really am that old. But <laughs> so, so I remember... Um, being party to, I wasn't involved in it, but I heard the conversation between uh, a very senior director and an engineering manager. And the engineering manager wanted a pay increase because he wasn't paid anywhere near as much as the cable jointers. Yeah. And in, you probably know the high voltage oil field cables, right. those go, they, they, they're, they're, they're pegging it in, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, and I remember that director saying, um, what, why, why do you think you need to be paid more than that? Well, because I'm their manager. How can, how can they earn more than me when I'm expected to manage them? You know, and, and this conversation. And, and I suppose in a number of ways I've seen that playing out today. And I think a lot of yeah. organizations are down this route where if you're a manager, you're at the top of the pay scale. But in that industry in those days, I think they did have it right because they recognized the unique skill set in those 400 kV cable jointers right. and that they were they were quite literally a dying breed, sure. thanks to all the lead sheathing. But you know, <laughs> they, they were, you know, they were a rare skill set and they needed to be paid a premium in order to retain yeah. that skill set. I think we've gone too far the other way that we think that the leaders should be the highest paid and the best paid in our organizations. So that, that for me is the thing I think that was trying to say, we, we pay you because you go up through the ranks and you are a, you know, a CEO or a COO, but actually what we fail to do is recognize that the people who keep the wheels on the car when, when, you know, when it's, when it's in a skid, they're the people that we should be recognizing and paying the premium because yeah. without them, then we derail. Without yeah. the leaders, you know, we can, you know, and it's, it's that, that, it's that, that football, yeah. isn't it? You wouldn't expect a football, co- you know, I know it's for soccer, football, American <laughs> football. But I, I talk about Alex Ferguson, who uh, was a, you know, football team manager. He managed a little football team here in the UK for a couple of years. Um he never went on the, he, he, you know, when, when things were going wrong in the second half, he didn't sort of go and get his kit on and say, just get out of the way, lads. I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll dribble the ball up the field and I'll, I'll take a couple of shots at goal myself or get out of the goal, get out of the goalpost, I'll, I'll save them. That's not what a football manager does. And so a football manager doesn't get paid as much as a football player. And we don't have that in, in business. And maybe we need to revisit some of even just going back to the position of understanding, and I, I, I chat with safety professionals from all over, right? And it seems to be a conversation that that I have, at least regularly, is this idea of like back up, remember, we are support in everything, management leaders, safety professionals, environmental professionals. We have to understand our positioning 
that we are support to yeah. those folks that actually get things done, right? To the point back to people that yeah. actually GSD, the folks that get shit done, we're just overhead. In the yeah. business world, we're just yeah. expensive overhead. Right? So back yeah. to that point of understanding that we need to under, we need to approach from a position of support, right? We're we're not enforcers yeah. and cops, right? We're supposed to be supporting those folks in getting stuff done. Now, often, yeah. like I said, we, we complicate and we hinder and, and all these kind of different things. I'm not saying all of that's evil or bad, so pe- people don't throw rocks at me. But no. but we have to always start from that understanding that we're trying to, we should be. We should be supporting folks in those things. We should be f- supporting them in how they adapt, how they accomplish work, all of, the, all of that stuff. But we yeah, forget absolutely. that a lot of times. It's easy to forget that, especially, um, I won't pick on safety professionals, I'll just, I'll just stay picking on leaders, but especially as you ascend through an organization, it's really yeah. easy. It's really easy to fall for that trap of, well, you know, I made it this far. I'm, I'm pretty high on the organization. Maybe I do have all the right answers. Maybe, yeah. maybe my opinion is better than the worker's opinion. It's oh, easy yeah. to fall for that trap. It's easy to let ego kick in and it's easy to fall for that trap of just saying, well, I made it here. They didn't. Yeah. Maybe, maybe my, maybe my ideas are better than everyone else's. Yeah. Maybe I do yeah. know best and, and yeah. the lowly worker doesn't. Yeah, maybe learn anything from those people down there because I used to do that job. I know exactly how they do today because I. (laughs) That's 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 another one, right? That's that's so important because, and I'm sure you had this conversation with leaders. I had this conversation with leaders. I don't care if you did that job for 30 years. You don't do it now, and you have no clue. You can pretend that you do, but you have no clue what it's like to stand in that particular person's shoes in this particular moment in time. Yeah, and if you can just start from accepting that. That's a huge shift in and of itself. Going, well, maybe I need to listen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So we've, so we've, we've been going. What's that? <laughs> it's the sermon. Yeah. yeah. I rant. That's my thing right now. I rant. Just and listen. Speak, and, just and, listen. And, and speaking speaking of which, I've been, so the podcast, I've been doing rant, basically just ranting episodes for about the past couple of months. So you're my first interview back after a couple of months. So I took a break from interviewing. So you're the first uh-huh. one back. How cool is that? That, but I've, we've I been feel rocking and rolling for a minute too. We've been going for like an hour or so now. I know. I'm so sorry. God, oh, no, this no, is. this is this is perfect. So I, the, I usually I apologize to people because I'll go for like three hours. So just hang <laughs> up. Just, if I start ranting, just hang up. Um, but I, I could I could I could literally talk to you about this stuff all day long. This is just a pleasure of a conversation. But Thank I you. wanted to touch on I wanted to touch on all this really cool stuff. And maybe not all, because it might be another hour, because you guys are doing a ton of amazing stuff with Paradigm. Um, and all this free, free stuff. Yeah, free. This, 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 and, you know, we had talked about this kind of, you'd mentioned early on, kind of as we go down this path, and I feel, I feel very similar, of like, it's just a never, it's a nonstop learning journey once you discover hot, because you kind of go, okay, I don't know everything. None of us do. Yeah. But this community, the community piece, I guess is where I'm landing. And a lot yeah. of the the way that Paradigm is supporting the community with all of these amazing, amazing web series and just amazing yeah. folks. Um, can you touch on that a little bit and just share? Yeah, folks, yeah. Not well, yeah, we went into lockdown last March, basically. And, you know, it was like the boom came down and our work stopped. Yeah. Uh, so, so after we all stopped panicking and uh, managed to <laughs> pull ourselves together, um, we some of our customers had lots of questions, you know, because everyone was everyone was scrabbling around for the answers, weren't they? 
how do we get through this? Uh, and of course, you know, like all good leaders, we didn't have all the answers, but we had a really strong network through thanks to, you know, our sort of collaborative spirit as an organization. Um, so, so we reached out to our network to some incredible people who specialized in different areas um, of what you could sort of think about in the scope of, if you just said the words human and organizational performance without thinking of it as a thing, right. you know, what are the different facets of this? So we brought a, a group of eight people together, each with different specialisms uh, to do four webinars that our customers, Powerline customers could come on on a Thursday afternoon uh, and listen to what we and our peers were share, you know, learning as best practice from their customers, and and then also just getting advice. You know, well, we've had this problem. How would how would you suggest we cope with that? So that was the point of it. Four. That was all. Four, not five. Four. That was all we we're going to do. And um, we got to the fourth one, and people were saying. You know, could we could we just do another couple? Could we just do another couple? And that was how it kind of started to roll on. And then we started to, you know, kind of advertise it a little bit on LinkedIn and said, look, you know, if anyone else out there is struggling, you know, you're welcome to join in and listen in. It might add some value. It might not. But actually, if you've if you've learned something that other people can learn from you, please, please come on and come and, you know, talk. So that's what we that's what we started. And it's just, it's grown and grown now. So we'll, we'll have been going a year now next month. And it's every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. UK time. Uh, we get on. We now have normally a guest who comes on and shares their story. Uh, we never, ever pay anyone. Um, we never get paid. It is absolutely free of charge. People come on. And, and now we're running, we're averaging around about 65 guests every week you know I say, you, I've, I've heard rumor that you guys have been known to break zoom from time we've to broke, time that, that you get <laughs> so many people <laughs> yeah we, we've definitely yeah we, we've had people emailing us saying can get in and we're like shit there there was one particular weirdo who came on who definitely broke zoom <laughs> some, some, some nerdy guy but, uh, but but that's the thing. It's it's a it's fantastic. Yeah. So my attitude to all of this, rightly or wrongly, Sam, has always been there is enough work out there for all of us. Yeah, we don't need to fight each other. We shouldn't we shouldn't be trying to to take the spotlight. We should be the spotlight. And by shining the spotlight on people like you, people like James McPherson, people like Rosa Carilla, you know. People who are out there who, are, who share our values, who, who are on the same mission as us, we're stronger together. So why the hell wouldn't I showcase, you know, what, what Joe Esty is doing over at Lucas Engineering or what Shane is yeah. doing at Bushco, what you're doing? You know, I, I love that because yeah. I learn so much from you guys. Hopefully you might now and again learn something from us. A lot. Um, and we're all in this together. And hopefully, you know, I'll win a big piece of work at some point and be able to say, hey, look, all you guys, you know, and we're doing that now, actually. We're reaching out to some of the people and saying, have you got any capacity to come and help us with this client? You know, or yeah. this client has this specific issue that as paradigm we've never dealt with before. 
But hey, you know, Bob Edwards and Andrea Baker, you have, this is your, you know, learning teams, right? Come and help us, you know? So so that's that's what we're about. Um, And the reason that we do it this way is we set ourselves a a mission as an organisation right at the start. And originally it was, we wanted to educate a thousand companies by 2030 because we were like, you know, it was just me in my Mm -hmm. kitchen on the on the dining table um and i was like if i could educate a thousand organizations by 2030 about hop and how transformational it can be and how transformational it's been for me as a leader my work here is done you know i can die happy we we had done that in 12 months through speaking at various events through engaging with clients free free work shed load of free work our first year just (laughs) Well, I'm sitting in my kitchen. I might as well be sitting in someone else's meeting room talking, you know? So, so somebody, um, somebody once told me that. Somebody once said that. They said, well, if you give away enough work, people will eventually start paying you for it. They do. <laughs> Apparently they do. It's coming. Um, so, so that was my, that has always been my attitude and it still is today. Yeah. So, so the webinars are a great opportunity for, for people, anyone to come in to listen to, you know, learn from someone else's story or a project that they're working on at the moment, to ask some questions, but also to kind of reach out to me or Andy or or Gareth and say, you know, actually, look, I've been working on this thing in my organisation and I'd really like the opportunity to kind of talk about it. Yeah. And, and often we'll be talking to people who are nervous. They've never done it before. Right. So we spend a bit of time coaching them beforehand, you know, and we provide all of that free of charge because sure. yeah, the more people that are out there. So our mission now went from a thousand organizations by 2030 to 30,000 by wow. 2030. Now in, in true Simon Sinek spirit, we recognize that, that we're not talking infinite game there, <laughs> we're talking, <laughs> but I want to. I would like to think that I may be able to take some time off at that, and there may be somebody else who comes in in twenty thirty and says, "Right, okay, this is this is the infinite game for paradigm." But it is the it's about making workplaces healthier, safer, more respectful environments, and you know, and and so we love to collaborate, and we recognise everyone in this game. For, for the for for what they bring to the table that our clients can benefit from, and we're not afraid to put other people in front of our clients and say they might have a better solution than us, uh, and it's so amazing. we think, um, you know, it's, it's for for me that's that's been one of the most amazing kind of silver linings through the pandemic is just the way, at least within our community, it seems to have brought folks together more. Yeah, yeah and, definitely. And so, and, and community for me is the key word. Um, because there's a lot of safety pros out there that are lone wolf safety practitioners that don't have support structures around them that, that, and again, and you, I'm sure, I'm sure you had a similar thing, you know, when you first started down this path of, of hop or safety differently or whatever you want to call it at the time, there wasn't a, you really had to seek out places to go find information, right? It's like, well, unfortunately, yeah. fortunately, fortunately I'm, I'm, I'm based out of Phoenix and a lot of these, uh, for, I wonder why they have them in Vegas all the time, but <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. every now and again, you'll see, you know, well, there's an event happening here and you have to fly across the country to, to just listen in. And in this yeah. new world that, that really, as, as we've adapted through the pandemic with, I'm so happy to see all these new safety podcasts. 
Like I'm so happy to see all these new video series and web. You just mentioned you mentioned James James McPherson. His YouTube <laughs> channel is epic. Yeah, it takes safety and makes it enjoyable to watch. That is just insane to me. Brilliant, <laughs> right? really an entertaining nature. He makes it not suck to watch someone talk about safety on video, which has always been a major challenge, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but all of so, that, I think, it, as you said, it's a question of impact. And as a yeah. community, we create more impact when we're together. We do. Right? We do. Because I can make some wakes and you can make some wakes and James can make some wakes yeah. and all the other folks that, that we could talk about could, could, could make some wakes and waves. But when, when we really get together, yeah. I mean, it's amazing what happens. And to see kind of folks, as you said, you guys have been amazing at pulling these people together. And, 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 and as you mentioned, kind of shining a spotlight on folks and sharing, sharing some, yeah. of, some of what they have to bring to the table and kind of pushing that around and letting yeah. so many folks that would have never heard from these folks hear more. It's, just, it's yeah. amazing to me. It's just absolutely amazing because, uh, again, as I said, it's, it's this question of impact. How can we take this farther than we ever imagined that it would go? Totally. When, we, when we first cracked that book and we're thinking about, okay, how can, how can I do this at my little power plant? And I think that the thing is, uh, Sam, that there are people out there that want to be, they, they just want, you know, they, they want to earn a nice, comfortable wage for themselves. And, you know, they, they want to make an impact. They do, right. but they're, they want to work on a small scale. But for, for people like that, and, and I absolutely, you know, I, I applaud them. Sure. But they're, they're, the, they're the people that are in the loop of selling time. I don't want to get into an entrepreneurial conversation no, here, right. but, but they're in that, they're in the, they're in the business of selling their time right. and, and where the, the weakness in that is that if, if they're ill or they can't work for whatever reason, and God knows they happen, then there's no income. Right. So, you know, uh, attaching yourself, not being afraid to reach out to another organization and saying that I have a skill set, I do have my own business and yeah, I might be in a similar business to you, but I can enhance your business, which in, in turn provides a safety net for me. Yeah. Then, you know, then then do that because it's bloody hard work being on your own out there. It can get really yeah. lonely Absolutely. and actually it can get really, you know, it, it can get really um, uh, competitive where you, do, you know, it's, it's a race to the, the lowest price yeah. and nobody wants to be in that market. <laughs> Because we just, you know, nobody wants that market because the customer suffers in the end, you know. So, so reach out if you're, you know, if if you don't mind me saying, if you are, you know, one of those one woman or one man band organizations, get a group of you together and see what you can do together because it's so much more impactful than what you can do on your own. Don't be afraid to experiment and be a bit entrepreneurial. And and I, I have this conversation so many times in a week. My attitude has always been, I'd rather have, you know, 20% of something than 100% of bugger all. Yeah. That's yeah. my attitude, you know. It's, and it's this, sometimes it's, it's this idea that, that we talk about with safety in general. And as, even in this space, it's that, it's safe mediocrity versus risky innovation. Absolutely. And we're, we're in this space now in safety that if we want to see things change, if we want to, to work towards, at least work towards putting it into occupational fatalities and maimings, yeah. we're going to have to embrace some risky innovation to get there. Yeah. Because what we've well, always done, what we've always done is given us the exact result that we get now. And totally. I'm, sure, I'm sure the data in the UK is probably similar, that the oh. graph looks the same. It goes down and it plateaus and we kill people every so you know, with frequency. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and absolutely. As you said, it, it takes folks innovating in this space. And that collaboration, these conversations, yeah. the conversations like we're having now, the conversations that you guys have put on in the webinar series, the conversations that you hear across various podcasts, it's people yeah. talking about how we innovate in the safety okay. space. And it's scary and, and it's risky and it all has to happen to get to where we want yeah. to go. But it's in, what's interesting as well is you never know who's in your network. So here you go. Right. Here's a great. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it, it just shocks me all the time. So um, I think by the time this comes out, it'll be okay for me to um, talk about this. But so we, we've just won um, a, a really uh, exciting pro- project with Formula E. Um, we're, we're so excited. All of my guys are like fighting over who's going to be the account manager for this client. And, you know, everyone's excited about it. Uh, so anyway, we, we spoke to the client and we were allowed to publicize this. So we announced it on LinkedIn that we'd won this, this contract. Lots of our clients don't like us too, but this one said, yeah, great. We're really proud that we're on this journey and we want to shout it from the rooftop. So go for it. So we, we've, we've advertised it. Jim Marinas, who I have now known for the last probably five years now, and I I love him to bits. He's been on the webinar a number of times. Me and him have had a number of conversations. He sent me a message saying, Teresa, I'm so chuffed for you. You know, he always sends me messages saying, I'm so proud that you're doing this and you've, you've done so well and all the rest of it. He sent me a message saying, I'm so proud of you. You know, this Formula E job is fantastic. And do you know that I have got a lot of experience in extreme sports? How can I help? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's a piece. That's a piece that I leave people with all the time. And back to, back to as humans and kind of our shy nature and kind of that sometimes we don't want to engage in those conversations, but I, 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 and so I'm going to put you on the spot because I already know the answer, but, yeah. but every person that I've had in the podcast openly, openly says to all the folks out there listening, contact me, talk yeah. to me. If you have yeah. questions, reach out. Look, we can we're just people, let's just chat. And yeah. so it's seeing that kind of in this community, that, that message, you know, you're talking about that message. It really, it, it, it made me really kind of, kind of really rethink or think about that is this idea that, there's thousands, thousands of people out there in this space that have great knowledge, great input, that are more than happy for you if, if you have questions to contact them. Yeah. Just send them a message, send them an email. Yeah. Yeah. The, the conversations that I have, have had the opportunity to have with people that have just just reached out, just reach out to contact me through email, through LinkedIn, direct messages, through Instagram, through anywhere there are people can contact you, have just yeah. been because for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a selfish reason too, because when yeah. people reach out, we learn more than they learn. Usually. <laughs> right? uh, exactly. We, grow, we all grow and that's, that's the most important thing. So yeah, please reach out if, uh, and you know, if, if you can't get hold of me, then, you know, so that, you know, if you just write to someone at paradigmhp.com, guess what? It's going to go to someone in the team. <laughs> and come back to you. Well, so so don't speaking worry. of which, Speaking of which, how can folks get a hold of you and your team? I know you guys have a website. You mentioned the yep. email address. Um, it is www.paradigmhp.com. And Paradigm is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M-H-P.com. It's not Paradigm, even though it <laughs> looks like it. Um, the uh, our, And our email addresses are, you know, like our first name. So Teresa at paradigmhp.com gareth at andy at you know and so on so and you can like i say you can even put 
contact us at paradigmhp.com and it will come through to to all of us so we'll answer it um we you know we'd love to hear from you any questions at all you can sign up go on linkedin follow the link for the webinar or you'll find the link on our website once you sign up for one webinar then you can listen to the whole back catalog of all the webinars including yours sam yours is on there as well um we've had todd conklin on we've had jim marinas we've had joe esty we've had james mcpherson we've had some amazing people this thursday we've got rosa coming on to she's going to panel discussion for us very cool uh yeah i'm so looking forward to so she's kicking off our new series which is about operationalizing hop so we're going to be talking to operational leaders in this series as a health and safety type people um so rosa's kicking that off for us which again is just fantastic um last week we had colin nottage and james mcpherson they took over the webinar and they just did their thing with project militium uh, so, so yeah, please do reach out to us, share your stories. Uh, and, you know, if you want us to share your story with other people, then we would love to get you on the webinar to do that. Um, but again, if, if we can help you, um, even if we don't, even if we don't have the answers ourselves, we've got this huge network that we can tap into and find somebody who can help you um, and connect you with people that you can help as well, which I think is also really important. How neat. And they're, they're all over LinkedIn too. So just, if you can check it out. Yeah. I mean, there's, they're, they're super active on LinkedIn and it's fun. It's fun just to, so that's, that's one of my favorite things is I just like scrolling. I like, I like to read, like see like a post and then I'll see something where maybe you respond or Gareth has responded something like this nice long, you know, and I was like, that's so, it's, it's it's so great. Well, we call him brains, you know, you know, call him brains that he is like, you know, oh, and here's the song with with gareth he's he's phenomenal so um he is like he's prolific on social media yeah, i mean i'm, I'm sitting here with oh, what a plug <laughs> so for those for those of you that have not seen this we're, we're plugging gareth's book under pressure yeah, I, which i'm assuming is available on amazon this was actually a gift for me from a friend in the uk that, that had sent this over to me um and ex, ex, yeah. yeah it's case studies it, it's yeah. historic so it's it's a really easy Excellent. read lessons are really easy to take away from it so He's phenomenal. So Gareth has um, just been, he's changed his role in our organization recently. So he's now our head of global learning, which where else would you put somebody like him? You know, that that's yeah. his bag. Yeah. So he's he's um, currently developing our e-academy um, and we've uh, just promoted Andy Whitley to our global operations director, as we call him God. <laughs> so um, I, I, I hope, I hope to goodness that that's his email signature. <laughs> yeah, not yet. After this uh, podcast, um, so again, you know, Andy, Phil Gillen, Bob Machetta over in the US. There, we've got some brilliant people in our team. I'm so, so proud of my team. I really am. You probably know that. I, I brag about them a lot. Um, uh, and so, yeah, any one of those guys and girls will be more than happy to help anyone wherever we can. Yeah, and th- absolutely. I mean, you guys are doing amazing things. Absolutely amazing. As are, and, as and it is it is just awesome to see. And again, the value that you all that you insert into the community Thank you. is just amazing. It's just amazing. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll end here because if not, I will keep you here all day. I know. It's just oh, I know. This is, I'm going to go awesome. speak person. Just, it's, it's, yeah, I'm going to the the, the 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 crazy thing about this setting is that it I'll, I'll start and it'll be daylight and I'll look and it'll be dark and it'll be bad. 
But so the, the, our famous or our infamous question that we always ask people, any final words, <laughs> any, any, la any last bits for safety practitioners, hot folks out there, leaders, any, just anything at all that you would like to leave them a final thought on or something that's heart in your mind that you want to, that you want to share with those folks. Yeah. So just remember we're all making this shit up as we go along. Don't be afraid to try stuff because mm. your gut tells you it's, it might work and it might be a good thing. The more you fail, the further you're going forward. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I would think, you know, yes, it's great to read Decker. It's great to read Conklin. It's great to read Holnagel. It's even great to read Goodman. Um, <laughs> but don't be afraid to experiment and make some stuff up because nobody knows your organization and your culture like you do. So just take all of this free stuff, be like a sponge, soak it all up and just go and play in your own organization. Because even if you only move your step, yourselves one step forward from where you are now, that's an improvement. I love it. So be, the be the curious innovator. Be the curious innovator. Innovate and experiment courageously. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's all I've got. Thank you for, thank you for coming on. Thank you, darling. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you Absolutely. as always. Well, 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 what did you think about that? I've got to tell you, I liked it. I love it. I got to have more of it. Teresa is just a blast to get to talk to and just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom around human and organizational performance and just doing amazing things, amazing work for our community, our little and growing community of folks out there trying to do safety better, of people out there trying to make safety suck less, and our little world of people out there trying to make the world a better place to work. How cool, how cool. I've also got to plug James McPherson um, and the Rebranding Safety Podcast. Teresa has an episode over there where James interviewed her, and it was just just a great episode. I listened to that one a couple times too, um, so I'd encourage you to go check that out. Just absolutely an amazing episode as well. That's all I've got. That's all I've got. What else can I say? That It's just awesome. It was just awesome. That's all I've got. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>